Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From border to border, across the Commonwealth of Kentucky, this is Big Blue Insider. Talk to Dick Gabriel. Call 859-280-CATS. That's 859-280-2287. Or statewide at 1-800-606-GAME. That's 1-800-606-4263. Or you can tweet the show at Big Blue Insider 1. Now, here's Dick Gabriel. Hi, everybody from the iHeartMedia Megaplex. This is Dick Gabriel. This is the statewide edition of the Big Blue Insider. You've heard comments from John Calipari, from Mitch Barnhart, from Darren, from Curtis, even a little bit from yours truly coming up to this hour. Uh, your chance to jump on board if you haven't been heard already at 280-2287-800-606-4263 or tweet us at Big Blue Insider one Your thoughts are welcome on what you think this team would have done uh, any of the Kentucky teams that were heading uh, into for deeper into regular season or into postseason play right now, uh, obviously men's and women's basketball and softball and baseball. And as Mitch Barnard said, the rifle team was in a position, I mean, hosting to win a national champion, another national championship. So uh, there was a lot on the line, but everybody's pulling together right now. And we've kind of got our arms locked in the sports world. Uh, We're all kind of supporting each other right now. So uh, give it a listen or give us a call. It's the statewide edition of the Big Blue Insider. Two eight zero two two eight seven eight hundred six zero six four two six three or tweet us at Big Blue Insider. One Dick Gabriel, Billy Rutledge, Aaron is out of town. Spring break, you know. Aaron's still in school. Didn't sound like it, but he's still in school. Uh, but he will join us from his home up in Connecticut, and we'll get a rundown uh, a little bit from him on how things are up there, but more than anything just on uh, the fact that uh, his beloved Wildcats will not be playing in the postseason. Aaron is at virtually every home game. I can't make all of them because of baseball, but Aaron's there. If you see our website, you know that uh, he is basically our webmaster, so uh, we'll chat with him about that. But before I, st- I get started on anything, we touched on this toward the end of uh, the show with uh, Darren and Curtis. And that was the legends to legend to legend. I shouldn't get the name wrong. As I said on the show, I actually came up with it. Um, the the show where John Calabari interviews Joe B. Hall. And again, if you haven't seen it, you can find it at UKAthletics.com. Uh, and it will re-air. I, I can promise you that. And on some stations around the state, it hasn't aired yet. So check your local listings. But uh, Billy saw it. I got to see it as it was being made. I was not there for the interview. I was on the road with baseball, uh, but I got to watch Steve Moss putting it together in the edit band. You know, we talked a little bit about certain things. He had never, Steve had never done, put together a documentary on his own. He put together some coaches shows, but from start to finish, he had never done that. And, you know, I've done it for a little while. So uh, uh, we talked about some things and he went in some different directions that, it, you know, from, from what I've done. And, and it's great. That's what's great about putting together long form is you put your own touch on it. Um, but this was fairly simple. 
two basketball coaches talking about a shared experience, one that was almost like no other. I think if John Wooden sat down and spoke with any of the guys who followed him, that would have been a fascinating discussion. But what would have been most fascinating was the fact that none of them came close, and nobody ever would have, but only one has won a national title at UCLA post-John Wooden. Uh, and there have been, what, three since uh, since Adolph Rupp, or four since Adolph Rupp left. So, um, am I got my count wrong? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, four, yeah. Um, but the fact that Rick Pitino was not close to Joe Hall. Billy Gillespie wasn't here long enough, I don't think, and had enough issues to where, you know, he didn't really develop uh, a, a, a relationship. Tubby loved him. Tubby, you know, but Calipari was a guy who dragged him, didn't take a whole lot, into the back end of the spotlight. I remember when Joe B was an honorary coach in one of the, in the blue-white game, and I think it was the first blue-white game that John Calipari participated in here. And he saw, of course, the value. You know, and why not? But when he got a chance to sit down, and this was all Steve Moss's idea, sit down, and, and Steve fed him some questions, and Calipari came up with questions of his own. I suggested a couple. Um... And they put it all together, and then Steve dug out old video and old photos. Uh, it, it was just really an entertaining hour, and uh, and especially the recruiting part. I'll get back to that. Yeah, it was fascinating. Um, just a couple of thoughts I had being a younger guy um, and not knowing a lot about Joby Hall going into this, but the the older footage was very cool to see uh, that and for just the stories that the two shared mm-hmm. about this job, which is not a normal job. I mean, the pressure that they talked about really played into some of the things that they did. But my favorite part was when Joby Hall was ragging on coach Cal about his <laughs> non-conference schedule. It was great. He's like, well, now if we looked back about when I was coaching, you mm-hmm. could tell a noticeable difference. And Cal kind of jumped back. Well, on you him. Think I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, exactly. Check the record books. <laughs> so I loved that. They kind of, they had that playful nature yeah. about him. It yeah. wasn't just a, a simple interview. No, you're right. And, and Joe had, you know, hanging over his head, as we all know, the tradition. And he needed to keep the flame burning as hotly and brightly as he could, and he did. Uh, and, and part of that was playing a, a brutally tough schedule. That's what Rupp did. And because back in the day, Kentucky could take on anybody, home or away, and beat them. And then in the mid-60s, early 60s, really, that all began to change because people started to pay more attention to college basketball. And the road got a lot tougher, and Rupp did not believe in recruiting. He did not. That that's you know, it wasn't that he didn't want to recruit white or black. He just didn't like recruiting. He thought it was crazy, as he said, to have to beg a boy to take a ten thousand dollar scholarship because when he was growing up poor in Kansas, that's all he cared about was going to school. So you know, the the, the nation, the world, kind of blew past him on that front. So that's what got brings me back to the recruiting part. Listening to Joe talk about the players who got away, and I, I knew peripherally about some of it. You know, we all knew about Bill Willoughby, but this guy's name was Bill Poodles Willoughby. He was a 6'8", 6'9", guy with guard skills. He was one of the first players who was 
you know, kind of willowy and had an outside jumper, had a handle, but he was big. He was tall. I don't know that he would have been a Magic Johnson, but I know he would have been here. He would have developed into a pretty good player based on his reputation. He was one of the first guys to say no and go high school to pros and we flopped. Absolute flop. And some 20 years later, maybe, a writer found him. A journalist found him. He was working as a janitor oh, at wow. a school. Yeah. Never finished college. Never, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it's a cautionary tale. I did not know how close he was to getting Moses Malone. I had always heard Moses would have gone to Maryland had he not gone. But then I realized I had only read about Lefty Drizel's recruitment of Moses because Lefty was, was quite the character, but Moses had said he was coming here. I knew Ralph Sampson had said he was coming here because I was on the plane. Calipari said, weren't there, you know, or somebody brought up, you know, there was a plane load of, of, of journalists who went to Virginia. And I think, no, actually, I think it was Steve Moss. We had him on the local show. I said, that's true. That's not a, a, a legend. That's true. I was on the plane. We rented a Lear jet. And the reason was he lived in such a small town. And I don't believe we flew. In fact, I'm sure of it. I can't remember where we flew into, but we had to fly into a small town in Virginia. And that jet was the only plane that could all get us all there on, on those short runways. And then we rented a station wagon, the kind that had the wood paneling on the side. And we drove, we stuffed into, I think I was in the back, of course, being the youngest guy. And we drove to his hometown and set up in the gym where every major news outlet in America had set up. The mic You wouldn't have believed the microphones. You, you'd have thought the president was there. Live TV, live radio in three states. It was on the UK network. It was on the North Carolina network. It was on the University of Virginia network. Three statewide networks carried that broadcast. And we had been told by somebody on the inside, you're going to want to be there. You, you need to be there. And he changed his mind. And, you know, Joe, there really, I guess, wasn't enough time to get into what happened there. But I just thought all those, that was just fascinating. But that's the level of recruitment. And when you, when you talk to Joe and you looked at Joe from back then until now, just a good old country boy, right, from Cynthiana? Exactly. I, I can't sum it up better than that. Yeah. And so I, I, and I asked somebody, I said, how does a guy like that connect in the, in the living room? They said, moms love him. Grandmothers love him. Because they'll take care of their kid. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, and Kentucky had a lot to offer. I wanted to say one point about the recruiting aspect that I noticed through the film was that Joe B. talked about them going from town to town yes. and just playing pickup games or scrimmages uh, in, just in blue white, right? Yeah, yeah. to, to yeah. I mean, it was a huge recruiting blue white games. Yeah, and now Cal was saying, "Well, we can't do that mm -hmm. now. It's no. a, a disadvantage for us." Exactly, and in fact, in 1979, going back a little, uh, that was the class that includes the class of 79-80. So spring of 79, Kentucky come off a mediocre season, like what was it, 19 and 11 NIT knocked out in the first round. You know, they had lost Givens and Lee and all those guys who won a national title the year before. So they had signed the Sam Bowie, Dirk Minifield, Derek Horde, Charles Hurt, 
recruiting class, Tom Heights, and people were crazy for this basketball team before it played a game, before it played a single game. And, of course, this was before television, you know, everybody's birthright to see everything on TV. So I worked at, the, at a competing radio station that had the rights at that point, and people were flooding our switchboard asking would the blue-white games, there were four of them, be on the radio. Well, Kaywood Ledford and Ralph Hacker were the voices, right? They were like, eh, I don't want to do these games. You know what I mean? They were just, they didn't want to go to these high school gyms. I couldn't blame them. So they t- they looked, I was a sports director, and they looked at me. Want to do these games? Yes, sir. <laughs> Raise my hand. Yeah. And so uh, Jock Sutherland, who had just retired as a head coach, at Lafayette High School, and later became a part of the U of L network. He became popular for criticizing Joe. He retired, or he uh, uh, apologized a million times since. But uh, yeah, he was part of our high school coverage. So Jock and I either drove or flew. They flew us to Owensboro to do a game. I remember we did a game at Kaywood High School in Harlan, if I'm correct, or Harlan County. I'm, I'm going to get that wrong. Huge gym. We had to have police escorts to get in and out. Just they packed. were so crowded. Yeah, I can imagine. So crowded. But that's how crazy it was. But that was Joe giving back to the state. But that's why it was vital, I think, to have that guy in place to replace Adolph Rupp. And there was one other thing we had always heard. And, of course, growing up, you know, where I was in high school when, when Rupp was, was being forced to step down. And because he would not – endorsed and embraced Joe Hall, we all assumed that Gail Catlett, the other assistant, was Rupp's choice by, you know, a process of elimination. Well, I came to find out now, Rupp wasn't going to endorse anybody. Neither Joe nor Gail. If, he, if, if, if Catlett had been the more public of the two, everybody would have said, no, he wants Joe, but no, he didn't want anybody. He didn't want to leave. What they didn't get into, Joe talked about being at other schools. Joe Hall was a head coach at St. Louis University for five days. Five days. He took the head coaching job and a few days later realized I made a bad mistake. And he went back to Lexington, talked to his attorney who drove to St. Louis, got him out of the contract. He got an assurance from Rupp, you're going to be the next guy. And that's it. So... He, technically, he wasn't undefeated because he never coached in a game, but at least for a few days, he was a head coach at the Billikens. Never lost. Never lost. Never won. Never lost. Coming up at the bottom of the arrow, as we said, Aaron's going to join us. We'll have more chatter about Kentucky sports as we try to plod through this period of our lives where there aren't any ball games to talk about. That there will be again, we promise. Back with more of the statewide edition of the BBI. Welcome back to the statewide edition of the Big Blue Insider. Dick Gabriel, Billy Rutledge. Back to the phones we go. Anthony's up. How you doing, Anthony? Hey, how you doing, Dick? You know, I heard y'all talking about Joe Hall, Coach Joe Hall. Yeah. And uh, I looked at the situation that when was his first season at Kentucky? 72-73 Yes. season? Was that his first year mm-hmm. as the coach of UK? Yes. 
and he he wins the national championship in 1978. Correct. Now, if you if you honestly look at it, ah, uh, you know, I've forgotten about that. That uh, Joe Hall was originally uh, the college coach selected by the St. Louis Pelicans uh, in, in St. Louis. You know, I've yeah. forgotten about that. That's right, but, St. Louis but, Pelicans. But, but but yeah, but check it out, uh, Dick. If if you look at it. It took five years for Joe Hall to get back to St. Louis mm-hmm. for the national championship game against the Duke Blue Devils. And he played. And he, win, got it, he, he got back he, to it, to Anthony. He win the uh, national championship 94 to 88 in St. Louis, Missouri. He got back to it actually in 75 and lost to UCLA. Remember that? Oh, I'll never forget it. That, that, that's the game that me and my father had first at the television and everything else, which they should have called that technical foul that's on right. uh, John Wooden. That's exactly right. So, yeah, so he plays in, in two national title games in five years. Wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow, I really did. Yeah. But they definitely should have called that technical foul against John yes. Wood. We, 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 really, we really got mad at that referee, to be honest with you, oh, yeah. in that 1975 game. I agree. But that, that's all. Yeah, but that's what I wanted to bring All up right. uh, with you, Dick. That's great. Okay, thank, thank you, you. Anthony. I, I appreciate that, uh, 75 uh, in St. Louis. You got it okay, now. Okay, we'll see you later. All right, bud. Uh, that is something. Now, as I said, college basketball kind of blown by UK now. Again, if you go back to your cat's paws, the, the, the most current issue, and there's a tremendous cover story written by Daryl Bird about Adolph Rupp's 1970 uh, team that – fell one game short of the Final Four, losing to the Artis Gilmore-Jacksonville team. But Kentucky wasn't making many runs toward a national title. The Runts did it in 66. That's about it. You know, uh, the 72 team, I think, won the SEC title but did not make a run at, at a championship. Neither did the 73 team. But the, the, the Kevin Greavy, Jimmy Dan Connor, Super Kittens recruits, they did make the run finally to a national title game in 75, lost. They'll, they will tell you today, Kevin Grevy has told us many times that uh, beating Indiana, beating that undefeated Bob Knight team in the regional final, he said that was our championship game. And they won the next game. They beat Syracuse pretty handily. And they should have won the UCLA game. You know, Wooden said, uh, I'm going to retire. And everybody on this side of the track says that's what sparked UCLA to win. John Wooden later, uh, uh, Bob Guyette, or no, was it Guyette or Grevy? No, Guyette. Uh, actually visited John Wooden, and he he brought that up, and he said, "No, Bob, we beat you because we were better. You know, you were bigger, but we were quicker. That sort of stuff." I said that once to Denny Crum. I said, "Yeah, you know, if if Wooden hadn't announced his retirement, oh my goodness, he chewed on my ear for five minutes because he was an assistant on that staff yeah. uh, for a while. Not for that game. He brought U of L to the Final Four that year, but he was still fiercely loyal." To John Wooden, he played at UCLA for two years and assisted before he came to U of L, uh, and and was protective of Wooden. Not that he needed it. He chewed my ear off about how wrong I was about that. Well, I need some more info on this technical. Was it was Wooden outside the coaching box? Well, Did he have say was, something to was, a ref? First of all, there was no such thing as a coaching box. But to your point, he was on the floor. <laughs> he was just he all walked the way out, out on the floor yelling at one of the referees. Nobody to Anthony's point. Nobody was going to tee up John Wooden in his final game, you know, much less eject him. No. Uh, now, there was a technical foul called in that game, and Kentucky did not take advantage. Uh, Dave Meyer was the best player on that team, and on the UCLA team, he was called for a foul, 
and he pounded his both fists on the floor, and they teed him up. But if memory serves, it was a one-shot technical at the time, and it might have been a – all I, re- I remember is Kentucky, it should have been like a multiple, you know, three, four, five-point trip potentially. Uh, there was a personal foul, technical foul. They missed all the free throws, and then James Lee was called for charging. So they got nothing out of that trip. And, you know, Kevin Grevy had, a, had an unbelievable game, and, and nobody else really did. So, uh, yeah, it was a missed opportunity. But you go back and think about that game. You think about the 77 game where Kentucky should have uh, played in the regional in Rupp Arena but blew a game down in Knoxville and had to share the SEC title with Tennessee. So Tennessee comes here, plays in the regional. Kentucky goes to Maryland and has to play North Carolina. Falls behind by 11 or 12 points. They go four corners. No shot clock. Kentucky cuts it to one, but they still lose. Carolina shot like 36 free throws or something. So, you know, that's an opportunity. And we all know what happened in 1984, you know, uh, up there in Seattle. But 1980, Kyle Macy's senior year. They've got the regional here in Rupp Arena, but they lose to Duke by a point. And Purdue wins the regional in Rupp Arena. I mean, there Joe Hall... Had a tremendous career, but when you think about what might have happened, it just it, it's staggering the run he had at Kentucky. Now it seems like he's pretty beloved in the state of Kentucky. He is now. Well, yeah, that was that was going to be my question. Was it always like that, or was did it take a while? Absolutely for, not. For People the, were on yeah. him from day one because he wasn't Rupp, and Adolph Rupp for at least one year maintained a coach's TV show. That's why the Joe Hall show was on Channel 27. Because Adolph Rupp's show was on Channel 18. Hard to follow the man. And, yeah, I mean, can you imagine what other coach has the, the former coach second-guessing him on another TV show? And, no, people were all over Joe B. Uh, and it's funny because Adolph Rupp had his secretary screen his mail. I don't want to see the bad ones. Joe said, I want to see all of them. I did a story on the secretary once. Uh, column and she he said I want to see all the mail it'll only make me tougher so he dealt with it and I knew that once he retired in retirement as, as history went on people would be fonder of him history would treat him well and it has and I, that's why I'm so pleased that he's had this long life you know he's up over 90 and now Calipari to his vast credit, thrust him right in the middle of the program whenever he can. And you see him on the big screen at Rupp Arena. You see him sitting in his courtside seats. The the autographs he signs or the hugs, the ovations, you know, and, and whenever he was capable, he'd make the Y and get a huge ovation. He deserves it, you know. And I dealt with him. I had my ins and outs, my ups and downs with him. But in the end, he's always been great to me. And for that, I appreciate it. And I'm so glad people have gotten to see that documentary that Steve Moss did. Legend to Legend. It's a great title. It is. Thank you very much. (laughs) That's all I did. This just in, the Kentucky Derby will not be played in May. Played, run. It will be raced September the 5th. Of course, that is a huge college football weekend. I don't know how they... Uh, chose that weekend, but uh, I guess that story is to be told later. But uh, according to several reports, and I think an official announcement's coming tomorrow, but the Kentucky Derby will be raced in September 
and not the first Saturday in May. Not really that much of a surprise that it won't be run in September, that it won't be run in May, but the fact that it's being run so late in the year is a little bit of a surprise. And I just saw this on Twitter, Billy. John Morant, you know how he's dealing? Did you see this, how he's dealing? No, what's he doing? With being sidelined? He's wearing his full uniform at home. (laughs) (laughs) He's just ready to go. (laughs) That's how he's coping. (laughs) Well, let's go to our celebrity hotline and talk with Aaron Gershon. We'll find out he's coping. I don't know. Should we call this a celebrity hotline? No. No, just just the hotline. Just the hotline. All right. Uh, How are you, sir? Are you healthy? Yeah, I'm healthy. I'm hanging in there. All good. But, uh, you know, this, it's, you know, I saw your picture from Meyer today, and I could tell you it's about 10 times more uh, panicky around here. So now, Aaron, <laughs> we're hanging in. What part of Connecticut are you in? Greenwich. So I'm about 20 minutes from New Rochelle, which is like the hot spot. Yeah. I guess you could say. So more ways than one. From there and Rick Patino's new home, and obviously about 35 minutes from the city. So. A little hectic around here, but trying to make the most of it. Well, Billy alluded to that before we hit our prematurely at our last break. But um, what has been the the local media reaction there? Uh, obviously, Twitter's been extra snarky about it. But uh, oh yeah, what what uh, I, I you know I see the Iona people are rejoicing about it, and why not? They're going to win some games. But man, you're gonna he's going to need the thickest hide he's ever developed, isn't he? I actually have a buddy who covers the Knicks, and he said that uh, Rick Pitino is now the best coach in New York. (laughs) (laughs) The Nets currently don't have a coach because they just fired Kenny Atkinson. The Knicks are the Knicks. Knicks don't really have a coach either. Uh, They're an interim coach. And then you have, obviously, the New Jersey basketball programs are doing pretty well, Rutgers and um, Seton Hall. But really, you know, they're kind of still building a following, not – this year, everyone kind of got excited about them because of just how good they were, and they're both likely would have made the tournament. Definitely both would have made the tournament if there was one. Uh, I guess Rutgers is still kind of on the bubble, but Seton Hall, probably a two-seed. But So they're kind of getting people excited. But college basketball around here, really, like in my area, it's not that big of a no. deal because UConn is still like a good two hours from here. Mm-hmm. To go out to the north part of the state where I'm originally from, and UConn's everything, but... Around here, it's not that big of a deal. So, but Rick Pitino is a name that just everybody knows. Obviously, yeah. he's with the Knicks at a one point he's with the Celtics. So, people are excited about it. That's for sure. And I was excited to see. He already said today on the fan, which is our big local radio station, uh, that he wants to play against Kentucky, and that would be fantastic. Yeah, and Calipari has just talked about it. He made it sound like he hadn't really agreed to it, but uh, I could see that happening. It wouldn't be the first time. Uh, because when you know we we were talking about the uh, the Joe Hall John Calipari Legend of Legends show, and um, they were talking about recruits, and one of the recruits who got away was Jeff Ruland. You know he was right. looking seriously at Kentucky before he decided to stay home and play for Iona. Eventually became the head coach at Iona, and so they played down here at Kentucky when Ruland was here. He's a heck of a ball player, uh, so it wouldn't be the first time those teams played. But oh my gosh. The headlines, and what a great way to to put Iona back on the map. Exactly, and you know they've been really my whole that I remember them, and obviously being close to them, they've always kind of been a tournament team. Obviously, they're 15 seed or whatever. So I'm interested to see if he can turn them into a more like a really competitive mid major, one of yeah. the upper tier programs there. Though when he said today that 
he has no intentions of ever leaving Iona. I mean, I don't believe it. <laughs> I think this is kind of his uh, way to get back in the real deal and maybe get back to a Power Five. But definitely really excited. It's, I think it's one of those things where it's better for the sport if he's around it because you never know what you're going to get. So I'm excited. You know what, though? If he's as smart as I think he is, he'll stay there. Because wherever well, yeah. from now on, wherever he goes – It'll be a high-profile program, and he'll be able to recruit. If imagine him being able to recruit the New York City area, my gosh! That's that's what's very interesting about it. Obviously, Kentucky gets a bunch of guys from this area, so it'll be interesting to see how he competes for big-name recruits and if he can get any of them. And then you would think the next best tier, whether they're no matter what their rankings are, would kind of end up here and. You know, you could probably do some damage. I, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of thinking they could be sort of similar to what Seton Hall is right now. Yeah. I think for a school like Seton Hall and Rutgers, this is not something you want at all no, because no. you're kind of becoming the big program around here. You're getting some kids to stay home. You're putting yourself in the tournament every year. I think Seton Hall. I mean, I, when we, when they played against Kentucky last year, I was really impressed with Miles Powell and mm-hmm. the team in general. But I really think this year they could have been a team that could have made the Elite Eight. Oh yeah. yeah. So. Let's uh, let's I go to the phones. That, that's upsetting. Let's go to the phones. Marty is on line one. What's up, Marty? Hey, how you, how you guys doing tonight? We're good. Good. Hey, I was I watched that uh, legend show. Yeah. Uh, with with uh, Coach um, Coach Kyle and Coach Hall, and one of the things I, I, I picked up on, and we may have already talked about this, was when when Coach Hall was at Regis College. Yep. He coached a couple of African Americans. Mm-hmm. He brought, he brought one of them to Central Missouri with him. Mm-hmm. This is like 64, 65. That's right. Coached him one year, and he was going to go to UK. Then he went to UK. He said on that show that he, Coach Rupp said he could have the scholarship if he wants to come with you. Right. And, and the guy, I don't know what the guy's name was, said he didn't want to be, he didn't want to play, and he didn't want to go to the South. He didn't want to play yeah. in the South. Right. So and can you imagine? I mean, if he would have came. He'd have been the first African American mm-hmm. next year, '66. You know the rough runs. Can That's you right. imagine That's that right. what would have happened? History would have changed. Oh, I know. So, I know. But there I mean, were... it was that close. And I know you did that whole story on Coach Rupp and everything. That's yep. the first time I heard that story. That you know, Coach Rupp was willing to go, give him a scholarship and mm-hmm. put him on the team. Yeah. Now I, that's the first I heard of it too. I knew that Rupp had started moving in that direction in 1960. But I did not, right. and got death threats. But I did not know that Joe I, was it. Was it Cosell McQueen? Was that his name? Anyway, I didn't yeah, know. I, that, I don't know. I yeah. didn't catch the name. Right? Yeah, but no. I mean, there that there were so many great nuggets of info that that arose out of that conversation. And one of the things that uh, that Steve and I talked about, and again, it was his great idea. Man, we should have done this a long time ago. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I know. I mean, he was. Uh, and I went to school at UK in the early '80s, and yeah, there was a lot of you know a lot of people didn't like Coach Hall. I mean, yeah, even though I he was bringing in great recruiting classes, you know, he just never, you know, he won it in '78, but that early '80s, he had some bad luck with Bowie getting yeah, hurt. He, he did. Just yeah. you know, everybody was getting kind of like, "Come on, you, you know, right. you get all the talent." And, but That's right. you know, I always liked him. I thought he was a good coach. You know, right. his style was a little bit different, but you know, yep. he was. He won a lot of games. He's a good man. So thanks, Marty. Anyway, I thought thought that was an interesting nugget I picked up on. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Take care. All right. Two eight oh two two eight seven eight hundred six oh six four two six three. Tweet us at Big Blue Insider One. 
Uh, yours truly, Dick Gabriel, Billy Rutledge in the studio. Aaron Gershon on the phone back home in Connecticut. And we've been talking to Aaron about uh, just sort of the mood up there. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about no college sports. Really, there aren't any sports anywhere. <laughs> I cannot imagine New York City without any pro, whatever, sports going on right now. <laughs> without Honestly, New York City is about to have nothing going on. I mean, <clears throat> there's been talks about they're already – I'm all good, I promise. But um, <laughs> they're already talking about uh, – they already did here in Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey close restaurants to people going in and eating so right. they can still bring get takeout and delivery. Yeah, I know that's happening did. in Kentucky, yeah. too. But um, here, so it's pretty much, I think the mood is everybody's kind of just confused. I think for me personally, um, thank God the NFL free agency and stuff decided <laughs> to happen. Yeah. Uh, that has made me happier and given me something. But now, in all seriousness, seeing New York City without sports and, you know, that, yeah, the Nets were probably going to be a playoff team. And the storyline for them is obviously is Kevin Durant coming back. A lot of people, like I said, were pretty excited about Seton Hall. Uh, and Rutgers, and then obviously the big end was baseball starting in two weeks. And you had the Yankees, who are, could win a World Series this year for sure. You have a Mets team that looks better than normal, so everyone is excited for that. And now everyone, I think, is just confused and hoping that everyone does their part to get this thing out of here and get sports back on TV. <laughs> Aaron, question about college basketball, and this kind of arose in the Coach Calipari show today. Obviously, we don't have the right answer. Or we know what's going to happen, but it looks like the spring athletes are going to get an extra year of eligibility once their season's been canceled. And there's a discussion about the seniors in the winter sports. Nate Sestina, Coach Cal brought up today that if Nate Sestina could do it again, he will come back to Kentucky and play again. Now, it seems like a long shot, but in your opinion, do you think that these winter sport athletes should be able to have that extra year of eligibility to play since they missed the tournament? Yeah, that's a really good question. And at first, I think I thought about it, and I'm like, well, they got a whole regular season. Obviously, a couple of the conference tournaments got in. The women's conference tournaments got in, obviously. But then I think about it again, and no, I definitely think, if possible, they should definitely get that year back. Because for a guy like I think Nate Sassine is a great example, the reason he's here, I don't know if – I know he's talked about wanting to go pro. I don't know. I don't know if – We've seen a lot of them. I don't think he's an NBA guy. But I think the real reason to see her is because he had an opportunity to go win a national championship and compete at the highest yeah. level of college basketball. And it's great that he got to do it during SEC play and have a regular season. But the ultimate goal is to play and win a national championship and play in front of these packed arenas and travel the country and all that. And he got robbed of that. Um, so I definitely, the more and more I've thought about it, especially thinking about him, I I would be all for it, and I know it's a long shot, but I'm also I'm just glad they're at least giving those spring athletes that opportunity because I'd be crushed for them. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and we were just talking on uh, the show prior to this one about some of the, the Kentucky baseball players. There are yep. six seniors on the team, and uh, you know we were talking about the fact that uh, uh, you know TJ Collette was starting to heat up, and he was a preseason oh, yeah. All American. Uh, Elliot Curtis, we already knew, was coming back because he destroyed his ankle in that terrible injury. Uh, but uh, Zeke Lewis, our former intern, Zeke Lewis, you know, who had yeah, finally he was, earned a up. chance, yeah, to play and was was tearing it up. Uh, yeah, you know, some just, of the softball girls. I mean, there are a couple of seniors oh, on that man. team, and they were 
who knows where they were heading. I mean, Rachel Lawson's doing such a good job with that program, and they really all seem to play for each other. And seeing some of the stuff they've had on social media, I mean, I even thought about them. I'm like, man, they definitely deserve another chance at this next year. And I also saw, I forget which player it was, but she made a really good point saying, you know, it's great we're all going to get the opportunity to come back for another year. But you also have to think a lot of these athletes are done with sports after this, yeah. and they have jobs lined up. That's right. They have other things lined up. So, yes, it, it helps, but at the same time, it's just for those, for some, this is it, and no matter what. And it's just heartbreaking. No, it is, and I thought that was a great point that, yeah, I mean, hey, come on back. I'm good. You know, you might right. hear that every now and then. Right, and it's it's a tough pill to swallow. This whole thing is, but like I said, everyone's just got to do their part, whether it's staying at home or just staying away from people who are vulnerable, and hopefully you can get past this quicker than July. And when I saw June and July, I'm not going to lie, I freaked out a little bit. Yeah. So hopefully it's not that. So, Aaron, this was my first season covering Kentucky, and I enjoyed getting to sit next to you and Dick at a lot of the U.K. games. But this was a roller coaster of a season, and for this season not to end the way that these guys wanted without an NCAA tournament, you personally, how are you going to remember this season and this Kentucky team? I mean, the last week alone, with the 17-point blown lead to Tennessee and then the comeback to Florida, kind of showed their resiliency as a whole. That's- yeah. yeah, tell me what you think about who they, who they were this Literally, year. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. The word I was going to use was resilient because, I mean, for me, the moment is you have an Ev- that Evansville game at the beginning of the year. <laughs> I know all the circumstances, I'm not going to go into it, but you're the number one team in the country and you lose to a team that people like me didn't even know what state Evansville was in. And then, you, I mean, the fact you're able to come back, you only lose, what, four more games, five more games after that. And other things throughout the season, you've had, you had injuries, you had drama, you had the, obviously the Tennessee loss, and you come back the next game without your point guard. You really don't know what's happening with your point guard. And then nine minutes left in the game, you lose the SEC player of the year, and you come back and win. I mean, it, it gently showed resiliency, and I think the Evansville game, um, like I said, just there's a lot of adversity with this team. They overcame a lot, and they still went 26-5. and five. They won the SEC by three games. So I really, I really think, I don't know if they would have won a national championship or gone to a Final Four, but I think that they, the sky was definitely the limit, and it is a shame that we don't get to really find out. Yeah, I think this would have been the kind of team, and you and I talked about this with Billy before you left town, but uh, matchups you know, would have been key. This is not a team yeah. that could have rolled over anybody. But the other thing, too, is no matter who they were playing, they were capable of beating anybody in the tournament mm-hmm. field and losing to anybody in the tournament field, but I think if everybody had played well, if everybody had clicked, or or even if one person had not had a terrific game, and I don't mean statistically, because you know for a while there, people were dogging E.J. Montgomery because the stats weren't very good, but it was things like defense and rebounding. You know, he only scored two points. Well, you know, meanwhile, Quickly's going nuts over here, and, and uh, Maxie's going nuts over here. They didn't need that from Montgomery. But as long as he wasn't uh, you know, a black hole, a zero, a minus on the plus minus, then that was fine. And if they got that from everybody, they clearly would have been a Final Four team, and they might have been able to beat anybody, including Kansas. I absolutely think so, too. And that's, that's exactly right. And that's the resilience. They just didn't need everyone to have a monster night. So, I mean, some of the other teams in the past, whether here or definitely other schools, that's what you need. And this team didn't need that because they had so many different guys that can carry you for a night or two. So, 
Yeah, I really do think they could have beat anybody. I also think they could have been beaten by just about anybody. But it would have just been a, it definitely would have been a pleasure to go find out. I really think yeah. it would have been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, now we were talking uh, on the show prior about college football and the fact that the uh, the spring game uh, may not yeah. ever happen at all. Maybe a summer game, maybe not. Uh, you know, what kind of ripple effect do you think this is going to have on college football? Yeah, it's kind of it's hard to know. I mean, my question really, I'd have to think the spring season's huge for guys. Just to, I think, especially with this year's team, when you have Lynn leaving and you have a pretty probably the best recruiting class you've ever had. Don't know if they're going to be impact guys, but just a lot of faces that have to gel. I mean, you're going to have. I know Terry is familiar with the team, but he wasn't in the huddle all year last year. Yeah. So I think this team just could have used the chemistry, could have used the time to bond, and that's taken from them. Obviously, the spring game's a lot of fun. They want to get out there and play in front of the fans, and it's a position battle thing. So I definitely think it'll hurt that. But, I mean, assuming we get on schedule in the summer, um, I think it'll be fine. I think it's a level playing field because this is everybody yeah, who has exactly. to deal with it. That's so the good news. That. Yeah, that's the good news. Everybody's going through the same. Uh, Aaron Gershon is on spring break right now, uh, but we've checked in with him. We'll, we'll check in with you again uh, as needed uh, while Absolutely. you're away, so stay close to the phone. But uh, we're happy that you and yours are healthy and uh, enjoy your spring break. Yes, I will see you guys soon. Thank All you, guys. Right, appreciate it. That's our own Aaron Gershon, and we'll come back with more of the statewide edition of the BBI. Thanks again to Aaron for spending a little bit of his spring break with us. Final segment of our show, and as we mentioned earlier, if you're just joining us, the Kentucky Derby will be raced in a month other than May for the first time in 75 years. And uh, it's not always been on the first Saturday in May, and if you're a Kentucky Derby fan, you already know this. Uh, I think it's been raced as late as June. Uh, I should remember this, but I just know going through record books and the museum and things like that, that um, I was surprised to see that it's not always been on the first Saturday in May. But and there are also people. This this will mollify the people who for uh, decades have said it's too soon to run a three year old at a mile and a quarter. There are people who just firmly believe that it's not right for the horses, uh, and others say, well, that's why you do it because we see which horse. Then again, there are horses who win it and never do anything else, which means. Everything's set up properly. The pace was good, and other horses burned themselves out. Uh, so, you know, it, uh, it's going to open up a whole new line of debate. And so will everything that's going on with sports right now. You know, who, who should – you know, it was interesting when Calipari was on earlier, he brought up potential stumbling points to offering scholarship. How do you pay for it? Uh, you know, it's it's so funny in these, these election years when people hear about uh, programs for people they don't think deserve it, whatever. You know, how are we going to pay for that? Like they care about the national budget all of a sudden. How are we going to pay for that? Nobody says that when it comes to their favorite college sports team. Yeah, you know, Nate Sistina should should be given another year on a scholarship. How are you going to pay for that? You know? They have to worry about that. People forget. People think they just open the doors to the school and say, write your check, write your check. 
you, you, and you, athletes, you go walking in. You don't need to worry about it. No, somebody has to pay, and it's the athletic department. They get tutors. They don't get that for free. Somebody has to pay the tutor. It's the athletic department. So it's going to – you know what it's going to do? It's going to wreck some budgets on the lower level. UK's budget is, is up over $100 million. They'll figure it out. But there are going to be some, some mid-major schools, quote-unquote, some small colleges – this is going to hurt badly because they won't make it up with TV revenue and ticket sales. Well, not to mention that they're they're going to become irrelevant in the next year or two anyway when this transfer rule comes into place and mid-majors just become stepping stones right. to major programs. Yeah, but, th- but that's an interesting point. I was going to say I didn't have any sympathy for the UK Athletic Department because of all the money they make and the revenue and the TV deals. But that is not the same for these yeah. mid-majors and little schools that are going to have to try to do the same thing that they're doing. UK makes a lot of money. They spend a lot of money. You know, uh, and they could do things differently. You know, they, they could they could probably hire fewer people and and not spend as much. But uh, what opened my eyes, and Mitch Barnard was on with Darren and, and Curtis earlier. But I remember I always bring this up. Two things. Mitch Barnard once said to me, I have to keep my eye on the price of jet fuel, jet fuel. You're an athletics director, but you have to keep that in mind because it's not just the basketball and football teams that fly. A lot of your teams fly. You got to know what's that going to cost me? Should we charter? Should we go commercial? And then a long time ago when Larry Ivey was the AD, he told me skyrocketing cost for college athletics, insurance. We just don't know what goes on on those spreadsheets. Well, we'll talk about that more on our local show. Thanks so much to Aaron. Thanks so much to Billy. Thanks to all of you for joining us. Please stay healthy, stay safe. That's it. Good night from Lexington. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.